Hi, and welcome back to Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. As we all know, credit is important for helping us to build our financial portfolio and drive us toward financial independence. With the Fed recently raising interest rates, it makes having a great credit score even that more important. I went through the archives and found an old show on credit between Ryan Inman and Doug Krause, the host of the Mortgage Minute. So I invited Doug back to give us an update on the importance of credit, maybe how to build some credit in this marketplace. Hi, Doug. Welcome back. How's it going? Good. So Thanks let's, for having me back. Absolutely. Thanks for being on the show. So let's just start with the basics. Can you kind of tell us what helps us build a credit score and what's contained on a credit report? So credit report, what's on your credit report is you know, the basis for your credit score. So anything that you've had from the point of your very first credit up to today, how you've paid your credit history, how you've utilized the credit you have, the types of credit you have, all of those things matter as far as what drives your credit score. So obviously I think the big one that everybody's well aware of is pay your bills on time, but a lot of what people don't realize that makes up part of your credit is your profile, meaning, you know, if you've got eight credit cards and that's it, then that's not as good a profile as somebody that has a mortgage and has student loans, maybe he's had a car loan and paid it off, as well as how you use the credit you do have. So somebody that's got eight credit cards and pays them all timely, but maybe they have one or two of them that have a $10,000 limit and they keep a high balance on them up until they pay them, they're going to have pretty big swings in their credit score as they go over and under what's considered a good utilization. And by that, I mean, you know, somebody that has a $10,000 credit limit after you reach $3,000, it's more than 30% utilized, then that starts to look like you're mismanaging credit. And the higher that number gets, for instance, if you get to 50%, then it looks bad and it's just an absolute score killer when you get to 70%. So those are some factors that drive credit scores up and down, which that one in particular is easy because you can make that change as quickly as 30 days. I mean, you could pay down your balance and within 30 days, you're going to have the same scores if that's what credit bureau pulled at the time somebody checked your credit where if you have a late payment, then really the only thing that's going to fix that is time. Gotcha. So thinking about someone who maybe uses their credit cards to pay monthly bills, if you were to have those eight credit cards that you referenced before, would it be better to maybe spread out your payments across all eight credit cards and use each one a little bit instead of one or two, you know, over 30% or 50% utilization month to month? Well, first let's all agree that eight credit cards is too many. <laughs> if you've got eight credit cards, uh, that's dangerous. So let's pare that down and say you've got your favorite three or four. And that's really all anybody needs. I mean, I'm not saying don't get a Kohl's card or a Macy's or something like that. But we're, if we're talking Visa, MasterCard, American Express, three or four is really all you need. But in saying that, the last thing I want to see anybody do is like, oh, Doug said I only need three or four, so I'm going to go close these others. Don't do that. And if you are going to close them, make sure you don't close the ones that have a long history because that'll drop your score. But back to spreading out credit, yes. So if you had, let's say, your favorite three or four, 
and each of them had a $10,000 credit limit, then if you had $10,000 of the debt, it's going to be just fine to have $2,500 on each of those four credit cards. And it's going to murder your credit score if you have $10,000 on a $10,000 credit line. It looks like you're very irresponsible and used every bit of credit you were given, at least by that one creditor. So definitely keep it spread around. And it's a good idea to use them too. I've actually been a victim of this myself is non-use of a credit card. Eventually they just feel like you're wasting their time. And then they eventually just shut you off and say, well, you know, if you're not going to use us as a creditor, then we're not going to keep sending you statements and keep you on our books. And that can hurt you too, because that might've been a credit card that maybe you've had it around for 10 years and all of a sudden it disappears. Guess what? Your credit score is going to drop because now you've just lost a 10 year credit. Do you recommend that people go in periodically and check their credit? And if so, where should they go about doing this? So all the credit bureaus, Experian, TransUnion, Equifax are obligated to give you one free credit report a year. So you could actually ask for a new credit report every four months. If you stagger it, ask each of them for a credit report once a year, every four months. And yeah, I do recommend that. I mean, a lot of people have like credit apps, credit wise or credit karma, something like that that's tied to their credit cards. And those are pretty good, but I mean, you can't beat going straight to the source. So getting a copy of your credit report from TransUnion, Experian and Equifax directly, and that won't have any impact on your credit, you know, checking your own credit. Then by doing that, you might find something that you just weren't aware of that gives you an opportunity to do something about it and fix it before you're actually ready to make a big purchase. And, you know, it can just make a significant difference. Even 20, 40 points is drastic. And I'll, I'll just give you an example. If you had a million dollar mortgage, and let's just compare a 720, a 700, and a 680, because we'll actually do 100% financing on a 680 score up to a million. It's $150 a month more with a 700 score than it is a 720 score, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, that's $1,800 a year. Over the course of 10 years, that's $18,000. And that doesn't even account for stuff like your homeowner's insurance and car insurance are definitely going to be higher having a 700 score versus a 720 or 740. And then it really gets drastic if you know our sub 700, a 680 score, a million dollar mortgage, the payment's $400 more a month on a million dollar loan. So that's $4,800 a year, $48,000 over the course of 10 years, and probably another ten dollars to $15,000 you would have paid in homeowners insurance and car insurance. So, and honestly, I mean, 680s a below average, quite a bit below average credit score. At this point, an average score is probably around 720. So everybody's goal should be to get your scores there or higher and, you know, the higher, the better. And there's just some things that you can't control. I mean, you know, if you're young, you don't have a 10 year history, or if you did have a slip up a couple years ago or a couple months ago, the only thing that's going to fix that is time. Another thing is having a variety of credit and you just haven't got to that point in life yet, then you you can't really control if you haven't had three car loans or a mortgage yet. So some of it's just not within your control, but the stuff that is within your control for sure is pay your bills on time and then 
don't overutilize credit cards, especially, you know, keep those again. The goal would always be never owe more than 30% of your credit limit. Now you talked about reviewing the credit once a year or every four months, if you staggered, what if you find something on your credit report that's either derogatory or maybe not even yours? Say your name's John Smith and they put something derogatory on a report for a different John Smith. How do you go about getting something like that taken off? Good question. That comes up a lot, especially for common names. And that's, those are especially, you know, individuals that should be checking their credit on a regular basis. You can, again, request a free copy and then anything that you disagree with, you can file a dispute with the Bureau directly and then they will respond to you and prove to you that it's actually something or after enough time goes by that they don't prove that it's yours, then it comes off. So it can be very beneficial if there's something that you know is misrepresented on your bureau or something that can't be proven because sometimes there's creditors that will ding you that later they don't keep good paperwork and tabs on it. And next thing you know, if you dispute it, if they don't respond to the bureaus, then the bureaus are actually obligated to remove it. And say you had something derogatory, I don't know, 30 days late on a car payment. Is there any way to contest that and sometimes get it taken off your credit report before you make a home loan purchase or another car purchase? So it depends. I mean, usually the car lates are pretty accurate if they're late. And again, if it's you make the mistake, sometimes you just have to own it. But, you know, I've been doing this for 23 years. Have I gotten people's car lates removed? Yes. But it's difficult. But the right circumstances for the right lenders, yes. I mean, and then there's always, you know, a lot of courtesy removals where if you look like you've got absolutely stellar credit and then you've got this one blemish from a creditor, and this can happen for sure. If checks in the mail and they didn't get it, then you can ask them, you know, as a one-time courtesy and sometimes they will remove it. So it's obviously a lot harder once it's on there and it's been on there if you let it sit, which is another reason that, you know, if you're contesting something that's two months old and versus if you let something sit there for two years and then you go back and ask, you're never going to win that one. So that's another reason that I like the staggered every four months request a report from each of the three bureaus. So you've gotten three copies every year. And then how much do student loans actually affect your credit? So student loans are a installment loan. So it's Again, not something you can manipulate like credit cards where you can easily pay down 30%. And so it is an account that helps diversify your credit, but it's not really something that you can do much about it. I mean, it just is what it is. And most doctors have student loans and usually a lot of them. So if you're constantly churning refinancing them, then of course you're going to have a lot of inquiries as each time a creditor is going to look at your credit to see that they want to give you a new student loan. So it's not ideal, but at the same time, it's also not ideal to pay one or 2% above market rates too. So don't let an inquiry on your credit keep you from taking advantage of, you know, an opportunity to reduce your interest rate. But it's not something that, you know, a car loan, you take it out for three, four, five years and the principal gets paid down quickly. So 
you go from having 100% finance to 60, 70% to 30%. I mean, there, that kind of progress really helps your credit. Student loans kind of, I almost say indifferent. It doesn't really hurt your score, but it's not something that can help it like a car loan or a credit card can. And is there unless you don't pay it on time, that's that would be the exception. If you don't pay your student loans on time, it's going to be it's an installment loan, and that's the worst type of loans you can have to have lates on. Installments even worse than credit card mortgage being the worst. Is there some type of caveat to where if you have a late on a medical claim that maybe it's not calculated into this credit score? You know, there's lots of media going around about this. And I feel like the latest is a lot of medical collections are not actually factored into your credit score if they're under a certain amount. And I think the latest I've heard is $2,500. So if it's a medical collection on your credit, it may or may not have any impact. But one thing I've seen in the past is taking a old medical collection, we're talking about larger amounts here that actually did affect it. And then it's three, four, five years old. And then they get advice to go, hey, you got to go pay this off. When you do that, it does pay off a derogatory credit, but it also made something that was five years aged history to now it's current. And I don't necessarily like that either. I don't have necessarily an opinion of what the right answer is there, because that one's one I'm just not really sure of. It's I'm kind of removed far enough from trying to help people repair credit to know if that's the right choice or not. So that might come down to talking to a good credit repair agency and see what they say at this point on medical collections. Okay. Do you have a few tips for repairing credit? The two major ones would be obviously one we just touched on is keep your credit cards paid down below the 30% mark. And then the other is quick and easy one that we keep hearing year in and year out that this doesn't work. And I know for a fact it does is authorized users. So if you've got a thin credit profile, and by that I mean maybe you've got your student loans and one credit card and your credit card is fairly well utilized, but maybe you've only got three or four years history. If you could piggyback on a spouse or a parent or somebody like that, that has a 10 year credit history that's also well underutilized, like under the 30% threshold, then you automatically pick up their history and you will gain the same type of benefit they do. So an example would be, uh, our kids, you know, when they were 13 years old, added them to three of our credit cards and at 13, 14 years old, they had 800 credit scores. And that was instrumental in them obtaining their own new credit that actually our youngest, very first credit card he applied for, you know, with a job that I would have said probably shouldn't have given him this, but they gave him a $40,000 credit line because of his credit history it looked like he had 10 years credit history and it looked like he had very extensive deep credit. So in those instances, I'm very much in a proponent of using authorized user. But it would be important to make sure you don't become an authorized user of somebody that doesn't keep a good utilization on it. If somebody's 50, 60 percent utilized, even if they have great credit and they pay their bill every month, you'll take the same ding on their authorized user card as you would as if it were your own. 
So make sure whenever you're going to sign up and be an authorized user on somebody's credit, it's going to be a card that has tenure and also a card that's not going to have more than 30% balance. Good advice. Well, Doug, thanks for coming back on the show. I'd like to invite everyone to listen to your show as well, The Mortgage Minute. Yeah, any other, any other great advice you want to give us before we sign off today? Yeah, I always like to offer it every time I'm on. So Hippocratic House is a book we wrote together and you can always request a free copy of it at hippocratichouse.com or dougcross.com. And feel free anytime to reach out to me. My email's doug.krause, that's C-R-O-U-S-E, at B-M-O.com or just dougkraus.com. Love to answer any questions or look over any other lenders' offers that they have. If you have questions, if you're not getting the answers you want, I'm always here to try and help educate. Well, thanks again. And thank you all for tuning in for another issue of Grand Rounds. <music>